Um, today, what, what I told um, some of the brothers here, I, I thought about talking about and, and, and tackling was the issue of decision-making in the will of God. And like I said to some of uh, the young people last night, I would suggest do your best if you write stuff down, helps you learn. But if anybody wants a copy of, of my notes in their unvarnished form, then I will give them to anybody. Um, and so then you can use them and you can have them. And I was telling um, um, somebody that I wanted to sort of make a site and put all the notes on them so people could download them after, after we spoke. So if you, have a, uh, if you have your Bible here, go ahead and open to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Everybody come on in and sit down. It's not my house, so I'll welcome you in. <laughs> Make yourselves at home. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, our topic will be decision-making in the will of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I've got a authorized King James this, this afternoon that I'll be reading from, but if you've got another English translation, just follow on as best you can. We read here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. That's a positive. The negative is, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. To what end? That ye may prove, put to the test and try and prove, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he has this word in verse, that begins verse 3, for... For, very interesting when you Bible study, for I say through the grace given unto me that every man, every man or woman that is among you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let's just pray. Father, we ask this afternoon that you would teach us through your word. Lord, in your grace, I ask that you would... um, be gracious in you, something that I say to help brothers and sisters in Christ gathered here this afternoon as they in their hearts desire to please you by doing your will. Lord, I ask that you would keep me from saying things that are foolish, things that are not in accordance with Scripture, things that are not helpful. Lord, we ask that you would give us all the discipline and commitment to obey your word and to glorify Christ in all things. We pray these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Simple verse here that talks about knowing the will of God. And and how many of you here have read something, thought about, maybe sat in a message, picked up a tape on knowing the will of God? I mean, most people, most people are interested in some way about the topic. Um, There's a famous poem by... Robert Frost titled The Road Not Taken. Anybody know it? Anybody ever memorize that verse? That, the, the, the poem? Two roads diverged in a wood, in a yellow wood. Um, 
And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads some to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads divergent of wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now what in the world am I doing reading a poem by Robert Frost? And, and, and a Bible study on the will of God. Sometimes we think about God's will that way, don't we? Two roads that diverge in a wood, and, and you've got to get the right one. And if you go down the wrong road, that'll make all the difference. And that's true in one sense. Um, but what I'd like to do this, this afternoon is be clear about what I can't teach and what I'm either not mature enough to teach or what God hasn't given me the ability to teach. And that is, is that... Um, there are a couple views on discerning the will of God. Uh, and one of them is sort of the, the, the dot, the bullseye view, that God has a specific will for your life, and uh, you have to discern that will. And another view, which I'll spend more time talking about, is living within certain boundaries. But having said that, what I can't teach is how to live in such a way so that you hear God speak verbally. I, I, can't, I can't teach you that. Um, I can't teach you how to have, how to discern hunches and how to discern certain feelings uh, that you might have. I'm not saying that the Lord can't use that. And I'll start off with a story. When back in 2003, um, 2000, I was looking at going to to Texas to go to to, to Dallas Seminary. Um, God graciously gave me an opportunity to do that. I had a car. I was going to pack everything in it. And the week before I was about to leave, the car had really bad trouble. And I went to a car dealership, I had them look at it, it was going to cost $1,800 to fix, it was like timing belt, timing chain, something like that, and, and I, I had around $2,000 saved up. What was I going to do? And I remember walking around the block praying, Lord, what should I do? I need an answer now because I've got to either do something or not. I mean, what do I do, Lord? And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I need an answer by tomorrow. Um, and I'd gotten this thing in the mail, you can have a quick loan for a certain amount of money. Lord, should I take this? Is this, you know, just the day I needed some money, this came in the mail? Should I use this? Is this from you? Should I not use this? And I went to sleep that night after having prayed about it. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, my light went on in my room. And my dad walks in the room and he says, Jess, I just woke up in the middle of the night. And I had this thought that I ought to check your oil. Now, I didn't check the oil in my car because I religiously changed it. But he says, I went out and I checked your oil and it was bone dry. The car had been doing something weird. And so he says, I put th three quarts of used car oil in. Let's go start it up. So we went outside, three in the morning, started the car up. It turned on and it stopped doing whatever it was doing and it never had a problem again. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's happened before. Those things can happen. I think the Lord can break into our lives with specific information, but I can't teach that from the Word of God. It's certainly possible. So what I want to do is give what I think is some guidance from God's Word on sound decision-making in regards to the will of God um, in your life. Does that make sense? You see where I'm, where I'm going to kind of be going? Um, 
you know, the ancient, ancient pagans and people always try to discern God's will. Somebody has said about 90% of the cuneiform writings about, from, from the Assyrians and Babylonians were on trying to uh, know the mind of the gods on what to do on, on important decisions. And people did all kinds of gross things. And we might look at people who are pagan and say, man, they're, they're looking at livers cut out of animals or they're, they're looking at the stars and say, that's, 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 that's wrong. And the scripture says um, in Deuteronomy 18, I'll just read it, verses 10 to 12, let no one be found among you who, is, who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord or an abomination, and because of these, uh, these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive you out of those nations before you. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but I guess I ought to say, I don't think it's according to the will of God that you should go visit a medium or somebody who consults the dead. I mean, I haven't even thought about that in preparing this message, but you can drive down the street and there's you know, your, local, your local witch doctor, basically. You know, somebody who does palm readers or people on TV will, will purportedly speak to the dead, get messages from beyond for you. The Lord condemned that. As, as, as wicked and says that we ought not to do that the scripture doesn't suggest that that's not real the, the scary thing is is that something might in fact be going on when people consult what they think is the dead and might be in, interacting with demonic powers we, we don't know that should be sort of step number one we don't go there um, but as believers sometimes we do things that come a little bit close to sort of divination you know, some people have asked if it's really biblical to sort of seek out the will of God the way some people do. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, some people will, will, one brother would sort of go into his room, close his door, put everything out of his mind, and, and you know, tell God he needed an answer on something. And the first thing that came into his mind, he took as God's will. And people do that. Or we play sort of Bible roulette. You need to know what God wants you to do. You open the Bible... And the first verse that jumps out at you, that's what you take, right? Um, you've probably heard the story before that anybody would tell. Malcolm, do you know the story on this? Yes. <laughs> um, go ahead. Can you? Uh, go down and do likewise. The Judas hanged himself. Right, right. Okay, uh, I forgot the first one. Yeah, is it a guy's looking for the will of God or something, you know, that day, and he opens the Bible and he. You know, and it says, you know, Judas went out and hanged himself. And I don't like that. You know, closes his Bible and turns again, opens a John. You know, whatever he says unto you, do it. And, and, and that's, that's the, ty- the type of thing that can happen. And while it's silly on one hand, in our desperation for answers, sometimes we do things like that. And, and we almost try to force God to give us an answer. And the extreme of this, Dave and I were kind of talking about this afternoon, is really tempting the Lord. If we can find something in Scripture that God says is true about Himself, we can almost tempt the Lord and, and try to force His hand and get, get us an answer. Lord, if I do this right now, if this happens, then, then you're telling me one thing. If that happens, you're telling me another thing. And then go and do it. Hey, how do you know that the Sovereign Lord of the universe wants to speak to you right now based on those two actions? Um, you know... And, and it's almost like divination. Lord. It's, it's almost like saying, God, if I throw the dice in the air and it lands on a six, you want me to go to Bible college. If it lands on a seven, you want me to go to the mission field. If it lands on an eight, you want me to marry... So, you know? Is that the way God's Word 
teaches us to seek His will and His leading. Now, to be fair, where does that come from? Much of that comes from looking at saints, believers in the Old Testament, who did receive direct leading and, and instruction from God using um, the, uh, the, the umum and the thurum, uh, or casting lots. But one of the things that I wanted to suggest is that in those days, men and women didn't have a completed canon of Scripture. And God had to speak to them on certain things. And so, we can do certain things that are not too far off from divination. Just think about that. And I, I don't want to be offensive, and I don't want to overstep my bounds, because when we do those things, we, we are sincerely seeking the Lord's will. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, a couple other suggestions that I just want to give to you is that sometimes we use cliche statements that might not really be completely useful to believers. For example, um, God chooses best for those that leave the choice to Him. Well, that certainly is true, but does that really offer the believer guidance on certain things? Uh, does that really help the believer? It's, it's true in that it, it gives us the sense of, of wanting to know the Lord's will. But how does that ultimately help a person? I think there's more that the Scripture gives us. Secondarily, um, you know, having a, a peaceful feeling in your heart is, 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 is perfect proof of something. Well, I think the Lord can use our conscience to steer us away from something. But, you know, sometimes God speaks to us and has us do things and we're not comfortable with it. Uh, and yet it's God's will. In, in, the, in the Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ was told He came to the earth and down the cross and yet when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, His soul was troubled. And, and sweat fell from his, his head like great drops of blood. Um, I don't know if you would call that peace, but he certainly didn't have that sort of peace. But it was clear what God wanted him to do. On the flip side, Jonah was told clearly, go to Nineveh. And he went in the opposite direction, went down in the boat and peacefully slept. And so feelings and, and, and things like that we have to be careful of. Just, I'm just throwing some things out to just kind of bring into the open things that are often come up in our lives um, that, that we use. Um, you know, people might use promise boxes, boxes with all kinds of cards in them. You need God's will, you open the box, pull a card out. What's it say? Uh, there's a story of a man whose wife was, was, was dying in the, in the hospital with cancer, and, um, and he, he, pull, he, he noticed she had one of these promise boxes on her table, and he pulls out a card. And he had um, John 11:25, and it two verses that spoke about life. And he runs to the hospital and, and says, "God spoke it to me. My wife is going to live." He tells the nurses that, and the next day his wife died, and he was completely destroyed by it. The Lord's testimony was called into question, and so that's an illustration of the care that we need to take as we try to get God's will on something. Just a number of illustrations. Um, why does finding God's will seem difficult? Before I say anything else, anybody want to offer suggestions as to why you feel knowing God's will or finding God's will is difficult? I've got a list of things, but what do you all think? Any personal experience or stories? There, yes, brother. Uh, it's not difficult. The whole thing is surrender. Mm-hmm. If you're, and I'm speaking to my own heart because I've failed many times, but if we're completely surrendered, we can hear God whispering in our hearts. <coughs> we feel God wants us to do this or that. I've probably mentioned this before, but 
I once took a horse that was about to die. I, I looked at him, I thought, I think he'll die in three days. But I took him. And I nursed him. And I was gentle with him. And in all my life, I've never ridden a horse that obeyed me so much. I used to think this horse is teaching me a lesson. He's so surrendered. <coughs> if people looked at me riding, they'd say, how does this man do it? How does he how does he make the horse go or turn or stop? Because it looked like I did nothing. But the horse was listening to me. I barely touched the reins. And he would turn. And pull him back a little bit and he'd stop. I touch him with my heels. I wore no spurs. I just touched him with my heels. And he'd go. And I thought, man, I wish I obeyed God like you obey me. And that's the way. It's I, I speak because I fail, but it's a matter of surrender. And then we can hear God speaking in our hearts and we feel a conviction that we should or shouldn't do a certain thing. I think it's very simple. It's a matter of surrender. God will guide us. God knows what we should or shouldn't do. It's a matter of surrender. It's just that simple. Yeah. And th I think that's an e extremely important point when we come to the issue of knowing what God wants us to do. There's no question that surrender is the responsibility of the believer. And we'll look at, I think, one point that will bring that out very clearly. Um, and that has to do with the fact that God has revealed a lot in His Word about what His will is. Um, and, and our brother suggests that, that in his own life, there's a challenge of surrender. I'm sure he would testify to the fact that there have been times that he might not have known what to do. And, and I would agree that in many cases it's that we don't know the Lord enough. We don't know what his word says. Um, and the experience of many people is that they come to certain times in their life and they don't know what to do. Um, and, and that's why we come to studies like this, to find out how can we more accurately grow so that we can hear the Lord speak. Uh, and then when we know what the Lord's will is and what His Word says, then surrender to it. Um, I'll give you a few thoughts that maybe have clouded our ability to hear the, the Lord and surrender today among believers. One is that we actually have a huge number of choices available to us today that believers didn't have in centuries gone by. Um, if you grew up in the 1800s, you probably wouldn't have nearly a number of choices as far as your career, as far as who to marry, as far as where to live, go to school, all of these different things. Um, we're, we have a glut of choices, and that, 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 that's a challenge for people. Um, we also fail to distinguish between simple practical decisions and serious life-changing choices. And we look for a formula to apply to all these different decisions. Howard Hendricks, who teaches Bible study methods at, at DTS, told a story of, of, of Harry Ironside. And Harry Ironside was losing his vision late in life, and so he needed people to drive him places. And he, he asked a, a, a younger man, will you drive me down to so-and-so? He was a place down in, in South Texas. And the young man said to him, I'll pray to the Lord, and if the Lord leads me, I'll drive you down there on this trip. And he says, that's all right, brother. The Lord might lead you to drive me down and not lead you to drive me back. What was his point? His point was that 
and this is Harry Ironside. His point is that there are some decisions in life where um, we can. I think the Lord gives us freedom to use practical wisdom, and and yet sometimes we look for God to personally speak to us about certain simple practical decisions about whether or not we should help a brother. The Scripture is pretty clear. Um, you know, if a brother or sister has a need and you can meet it, you ought to do it. And if you have the ability to meet a need and you don't, how can you say that the love of God dwells in you? The Scripture's already spoken on that situation. And that's part of the whole issue. Um, we're too focused on the future than on knowing God today. We want all the answers for the future and what our life is going to turn out like and all the answers rather than the fact that God is working in our lives today and growing us, oftentimes through difficulty and trial. Um, we forget that God's grace is sufficient for us and that God might have us walk through something that's difficult that we might not think is His will. Um, just a couple other things. We are confused over the difference. What do we mean by the will of God? What do you mean by God's will in your life? Tim, you're, you're nodding over there. I, I, yeah, yeah, brother. Because there, I think the will of God is essentially that, that we trust Him. The will of God is simply that we believe. You talk about difficulties, circumstances coming into your life, adversity. Do I believe that God is going to work things, those things out mm-hmm. for His glory and to my good? Do I believe Him? Do I trust Him? What is the will of God? The will of God is that I trust Him. That I rest in Christ. Mm-hmm. That, I, that I have my confidence in Him and not in myself and not in my own ability to necessarily discern what His will is for me. One thing for absolute certain is that we know that uh, the Son has made us free. If indeed we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Son has made us free. And if the Son has made us free, we are free indeed. There are so many things that are really our choice. But whatever it is that we choose, whatever it is that we decide to do, we must do it in faith. Hence the walk in the Spirit. We walk mm-hmm. by faith and not by sight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me give you three terms following what Brother Tim said that might help. One of the reasons why some people find it difficult to know the will of God is that they're not even sure what they're asking about. Um, three concepts that might help you is that some people talk about the sovereign or the ultimate will of God. And we see this in Scripture. God is working all things according to His, his will. Uh, if you want to write down a couple verses, um, Genesis 50, verse 20. Remember Joseph? What did he say about what his brothers did? You meant it for evil, but God what? Meant it for good. They did what they wanted to do, but God's ultimate will turned out to be the case. Um, Acts chapter 4 verse 26 says, The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ for of of a truth against the holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined beforehand to happen. They were doing what they wanted to do but when they were done, what happened? God's will happened. So God has a sovereign will. So when we talk about God's will, realize that God is working all things according to the counsels of His will, Paul tells us in Ephesians. And so one of the first things I think we can do, and I'm running out of time, so I want to kind of pick this up and and, and get into some practical stuff. One of the first things we can do is learn about God's ultimate will from His Word. What are some of the things that God is trying to do through history? God is getting glory for Himself. You look at the book of Job and the whole issue of, of, of why God allowed certain things to happen in Job's life. 
dealt with the issue of who will be worshipped ultimately in the universe, God or Satan and his angels. Uh, God is calling out a people for his name. He's creating a bride. Uh, God's going to take the earth and fulfill in it the ultimate purpose for the earth, that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, he's going to create a heaven. We can look at certain things in Scripture that God is working all these things according to the counsel of his will. And so then we can stop and ask ourselves, the plans I'm about to make and the questions that I'm about to ask, how do they line up with God's ultimate will? If I make decisions about my career, about who I marry, about where I live, about these different things, God is working this way in history. Is the decision I'm about to make, how does it, how does it line up with God's ultimate will? God's goals should be my goals. God's will should be my will ultimately. I should be working the way that, that God is working. So there's God's sovereign will. It's going to happen. And we need to rest in that. That God is ultimately going to work. He works all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's the awesome, you know, the thing about His sovereignty that we can't understand. We can do what we want to do. The kings of the earth can do what they want to do. But ultimately, God's will is going to be done. Amen. Okay? We need to know that, rest in it, try to find out what God is doing according to His will, rightly dividing the word, and work towards that. The second thing is, is God's moral will. God has clearly revealed so many things in Scripture that if we simply knew these things, we could surrender to them. As our brother said, one of the problems we have is that we don't know what God's Word says, and so when we come into a situation, we're asking God to speak to us, often miraculously, where He's already spoken in His Word, and put it in print. And God doesn't, and we wonder why not. You know? No, I'm just going to say, there's a number of things, like you said, known to be the will of God. First Thessalonians 4, right? This is the will of God, outright. Yep. Even your sanctification. sanctification. So if I'm caught up in illicit relations, if I'm caught up in internet pornography, anything like that, and I'm saying, teach me the will of God, something's radically wrong. Right. Right? This is the will of God. Just one. You know, uh, and there, there's six or seven other things that I'm aware of offhand that, that express like, God will have all men to be saved. That's God's will. Amen. Am I involved in, in, in doing God's will? Right. Seeking, seeking to bring, introduce people to the Lord Jesus, right? Right. So there's many, many other things that are expressly said to be the will of God. Amen. Amen. And you could imagine what kind of a, a result you would have in your life if you made a specific study of writing down the things that were clearly God's will in Scripture. You could fill pages and pages of of scenarios where God has already spoken what He wants to happen, that you could go back and consult um, from Genesis to Revelation, that you could consult and you know know the mind of God. Uh, and so that's an important thing to think about. There's God's sovereign will, there's God's moral will, His revealed will in Scripture, and then there's the issue that we always talk about when these kinds of things are God's individual will. Is God interested... Is God desirous to specifically reveal to me something individually for me to do in every circumstance? Is that the way God wants me to, to, to live my life? Could you rephrase that question, Bill? The individual specific will of God. Is it God's will to specifically reveal to me what He wants me to do in every circumstance of life? Some people are looking for that. They, 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 uh, oftentimes they, they seize up and freeze up because 
we're waiting for God to speak to us about something very specific. Um, is it possible that God has given us His Word, which is sufficient to make us wise in salvation, to equip us unto every good work, and has already spoken to these things? And that's where the rub comes on the issue of not the sovereign will of God, not the moral will of God, but the individual will of God. What I'd like to do is, again, I'm going to say, I can't teach a person how to hear God speak necessarily. I can tell you to read His Word and hear Him speak in His Word. But like my father will come to me and say, you know, Jess, I was walking you know, somewhere and I just I sensed that I should give this brother the gospel. That's awesome. You've heard it, you've read in books. I, I heard it as if somebody was talking to me, said such and such. People have said that in plenty of books. It seems like God spoke to them. And I think God does break in and speak to us that way. But I don't know that that's the way God wills to lead us in every situation. Some would say yes, and, and it would be incumbent upon them to teach us from the Word of God how God wants us to be led that way, uh, not from their personal experience. And, but I don't know that that's the case. And let me give you some different suggestions. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump ahead and try to give you some practical verses on wise decision-making when we come into situations using all that God has given to us. And I think a lot of times that will relieve uh, us when we're trying to find out God's will. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, some questions you can ask for quick decision-making. And then I'm going to give you uh, a way to think through bigger decisions. And there's some scripture that goes with all of these. Um, when you, when you come into a situation where you have to make a quick decision, there are seven questions you can ask. There's a lot more. Uh, number one, seven, seven questions for quick decision making would be one, Colossians 3.17, could I do this in Christ's name? If you're trying to understand, should I do something? You're here, there's a situation, should I do something? Could you stand up and do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have to hesitate, the scripture says, that which is not of faith is sin. Don't do it. Uh, anybody want to read Colossians 3.17? We're gonna, let's read these verses quickly. Colossians 3.17. I found it, so I know other people have found it. Whatever you do. That one verse alone could change your life. Can you... That can change simple things. Can you go shopping in the name of the Lord Jesus? <laughs> that might seem silly. That will really limit some of the shopping that we, we all, men and women, we all like to shop. But at some point, you'll come to your life and say, you know what, I need to do this. I need to buy these things. I can do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know? God knows we need to provide for our families and provide for ourselves. You can shoes or guitars, maybe both. You know, you know. Um, you, but but can you do it to the will of, of uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you put Jesus Christ's name on your action, and does He get glory from it? Uh, second, will this action glorify God? Very similar. First Corinthians ten thirty one. First Corinthians ten thirty one. 
I just turned to it, so I'm going to read it. Um, Whether you therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, by the way, ye means you all, plural, um, do all to the glory of God. Does God get glory from the way you eat, the way you drink, the way you spend your money, the way you talk at work, the, the way that you spend your time? Can God point His finger and say, you know what? I, 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 I enjoy this. Job gave God glory in the way he reacted about his circumstances. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, can we do all to the glory of God? Um, do I want to be doing this when Christ returns? First John 2, uh, 28. 1 John 2, 28. 1 John 2, 28. Does someone want to read that? And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. Okay. We don't want to be. We don't want to be ashamed at his coming. Uh, can I? Do I want to be doing this when Christ returns? For will this harm my body? First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. We talked about this, I believe, last night. That might be Second Corinthians, but let me let, let me turn to First Corinthians first. First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. I, I think it's second, but. No, okay, yeah. First Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You know, so you, you can glorify God with your actions, what's what we do to all the you know the glory of God, but you can also glorify God in your body. Um we talked, I think, from Second Corinthians about being unequally yoked, and that famous verse that says, "Do not be unequally yoked together." It concludes by saying, "For because you're the temple of the living God, when you commit sexual sin, you sin against your body. You're the temple of the living God. You can't do that." Um, will this harm my body? God gave us our bodies to glorify Him with, to use for His glory, um, to bear His image on earth. What does that mean? In its basic sense, to bear God's image is that whenever people look at us and watch us, we do what God would do. We say what God would say. Right? God's intention was that when, when anyone looked upon the earth and saw men who bore His image, they would see a race of people who did what God did, wanted what God wanted, God's will was done among them. But that's not what happened, was it? But finally there came one to earth who was the exact representation, the exact image of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything he did and everything he said was what God would say and what God would do because he was God. The exact image of God. Uh, that's God's will for our body. That's why God created us, to bear his image. That's, that's the, 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 the bedrock of capital punishment. Why the scripture says you shouldn't take a man's life, excuse me. If you take a man's life, your life should be taken because man was created in the image of God. There's value in man that doesn't exist in animals. There's a differentiation. Um, will it hinder my spiritual growth? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Things that you could ask quickly when you're trying to make a decision. Will this hinder my spiritual growth? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Read it if you get to it. Therefore, we must give the more earnest There are things that we can do in life that if we don't do them, or we're not careful, we wind up struggling spiritually, drifting from them. 
we wind up being like the Hebrew readers who by the time they ought to be teachers had gone backwards and were in need of teaching again. They, they become babies. Um, it's clear that the, the writer of Hebrews could tell when looking at a group that, that they could reach a point of maturity. It wasn't some vague thing in his mind. He could look at them and say, you should be mature by now, but you're not. Um, six, will this cause another believer to stumble? stumble? Romans 14 is all about that. Will this cause another believer to stumble? That would really help us in ferreting out some, some things that God has given us liberty to do. There are things God gives us liberty to do, um, which really helps you think through all of this. God has in His sovereign will not chosen to tell us all to do the exact same thing. And part of that gets into the difference, we'll look at it in a second, of being under the law and being mature in Christ under grace. Um, apparently God's will, His interest is in not telling us every exact thing that we ought to do, but in us knowing Him and pleasing Him with the will that we have. Free will is your ability to make choices that glorify God. That's, that's what it ought to be. That's what Christian liberty ought to be. You using your free will and the freedom God has given you to serve the body. Not to serve yourself. Not to use your liberty as a cloak for unrighteousness. So, will this cause another believer to stumble? Paul says that there were things that were legal for him to do, but he wasn't going to do them if it would cause another person to stumble. Why will another brother be destroyed over your right to eat meat offered to idols or whatever it is? Why destroy, another, why destroy the work of God with your liberty, Paul says? Why not just put that aside for another person's good? Um, whatsoever we do, we do it. God can't get glory if you do something you have the liberty to do, but you do it knowing that it's going to stumble this person. Isn't that the wonder of it, brother, is that we actually have liberty to or liberty not to? And that's the true state of liberty. What is more convenient? What is more profitable? What is best? How, how am I and others around me best served? I have the liberty to do those things. Yes. Rather than to do what would hinder and would impede or become an obstacle yes. or an impediment to somebody else. So that's true liberty. And, and Paul says, if you have liberty, have it to yourself. <laughs> not saying you can never do something in your private home. For example, families that come from certain parts of the world, they have, they have a liberty about, let's say, the use of alcohol. Uh, it's part of their culture. Other people, they really, really have a problem with that. And so the person that has the, the, the freedom to do it, if they know that they're around other Christians, they need to put that aside for the growth of these believers. In time, God may leave this brother or sister to strengthen that area. And he says that we have to receive one another, Romans 14, but not to doubtful disputations. Okay? We ought not to receive a person in our fellowship and then do things that cause them to doubt and bring up disputations among us. We need to be careful on that. That's, you know, the strong can bear the, the, the burdens of the, those that are, that are weaker or growing. Seven, will it hinder non-believers from knowing Christ? Matthew 5.16 uh, is an example there. Matthew 5.16 If somebody want to read that, you can. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Yeah. Do you remember where the scripture says that the, that the name of God was blasphemed among the Gentiles because of some of the things that were done? Corinth had people in it that were doing things that were so sinful that the Gentiles didn't even do them. First Corinthians chapter 6. Um, the, we already gave an example of a man who 
thought God had told him that his wife was going to live, went in and told the doctors and the nurses that that was the case, and the next day his wife died. What does that do to the mind of a person that does not yet know God? Will this cause a person to, uh, to, to really stumble? And that, by the way, is one of the words that the, the scandal on the bird trap, when it talks about stumbling in the King James, um, offenses must come. That word offenses are like bird trap. If anybody offends one of these little ones, I think the sense of that word is, is, is caused in the stumble, especially in regard to who the Messiah is in believing. If you do something that throws somebody off in regards to who the Lord is and maybe causes them not to believe, that's a serious thing. Be, be careful. I think that's hard to do on accident, you know. But I think, for example, of many men who, who teach the Word of God in, in, let's say, Bible colleges, have thrown young Christian people for a, a serious loop in the way that they introduce them to new concepts. And, and uh, I, I mean, I know personally people who have left Bible colleges just kind of gone off into the world because they struggle with issues that they brought up in class. Um, all right, I need a piece of paper. And if you have a piece of paper, you might want to do this. I'm going to give you a, a quick thing that I think will help you. And the pen. You know, if anybody, has a, anybody have a dark marker or a sharpie or something? The pen might work. You going to get a marker? Can I just make a comment on what you just shared Please. before you go into that? Please. Um, I really like this idea of asking these questions because they're based on very objective, uh, specific things that God can use to help us identify the wrong path so that we can have confidence in the decision we're making is indeed something that would be the will of God. But I, it, that does not take away from the need for uh, the subjective pursuit of the will of God. Right? All these objective questions. I think specifically, biblically speaking now, of the Apostle Paul. All the questions that we have asked, he could answer saying, yes, this must be the will of God. He was traveling on the missionary journey in Acts chapter 16. And he could ask every single one of these questions. Can I do this in the name of the Lord Jesus? Uh, would it be to his honor and glory? Would it harm my body? No. Well, he wanted to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. And yet in Acts chapter 16, what does it say? That they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, we don't know how they came at this point to realizing it was the Holy Spirit forbidding them to go, but obviously something was forbidding them to move forward, and it says they came to Mycenae. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So they were trying these different areas to share the word of God. You, you could say, well, well uh, uh, obviously it was the will of the God to go there then. They wanted to go to Bithynia to share the gospel. It, it would please him. All these things fulfill his sovereign will. But it says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so, there was some reasoning that they had to do to conclude that this then was the specific direction God would have us to go. It wasn't just go preach the gospel. It wasn't just this is God's will to do. But now there was specific guidance for 
the direction to pursue in, in fulfilling that desire to do the will of God and sharing the gospel. And so there's a subjective part of it. And I think that Paul was all, always wrestling with this, in addition to these objective things that we're talking about. And the only way we can discern them is, as Brother John was saying, a truly surrendered heart to the Lord. That's why the Lord Jesus would recognize within himself the need to be in that garden when he was under such anxiety over going to the cross. Right? Colossians 3 tells us that uh, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. There was not peace in the Lord Jesus' heart until the third time that he went. And sometimes we say, Oh Lord, help me know what to do. We still feel the stress. We, we haven't worked through it. Three times the Lord had to go off on his own to be before the Lord and pr- his Father in prayer before he could finally. Rise up in perfect peace. Here comes the army. Here comes Judas. And yet, the anxiety is gone. Why? The peace of Christ is ruling his heart. Because it's not my will, but your will be done. He discerned, yes, this is not the path I want to take. I'm not going to enjoy this, but it's his will. And so he proceeded in peace, right? The peace of Christ ruling his heart. Listen to this, Romans 1. And um, Paul said this uh, to the Romans. He said, uh, he, he said, I make mention of you in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last... See, now at last, I've been wanting to do this. I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts, so that you may be established. He wanted to establish the saints, the will of God. And yet, up until now, he says, I haven't been able to, because it hasn't revealed itself to be the will of God for me to come at this time. And so, there's a subjective part of it that had to be there. And, and to, to, to also help us to understand that, you mentioned the, 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 the Hebrews in... Um, and the writer of the Hebrews tells them, you ought to be mature, where I can expound on these mm-hmm. m- meaty things of the Word of God, but you need someone to go back and give you the milk because you're still babes. But he says, solid food is for those who are mature. And then he defines who that is. He says, that is, those who by reason of use or practice, as some translations have said, have their senses trained or exercised to discern both good and evil. Like the Lord Jesus, who felt the struggle within him, learned to discern my fleshly desires, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit moving in my heart, so that even within those bounds of the objective, uh, concrete will of God, things that we've already concerned, when, when I know that the things are not violating those boundaries, how do I navigate through the middle of that? There are some subjective things that we need to wrestle with to discern the will of God and His leading in our hearts. And I think those are the lines of questioning and and explanation you're about to go into, is some of the subjective things within that objective boundary to help us to to discern like Paul, to conclude this must be then the will of God. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, One of the things that I want to draw for you is something that I find helpful. And let me just paint a big picture. She's looking for her cat. So he wants to deliver that. Um, is we've talked about where have we been? Everybody watch the cat. <laughs> I used to teach school and it's like it happened. Um, you hear? She wants you to know. One, we've talked about some things we ought not to do in seeking the will of God. Secondarily, we've talked about uh, some things that we can know in regards to the way that we can... We talked about three different words for the will of God. We've talked about um, some specific things that we can ask as far as knowing what to do in specific situations or what not to do, the negative. 
things that are ruled out. And what I'd like to do is give you a number of things that you can think through uh, in your mind when making bigger decisions. And this is kind of like triangulation. Um, so let me just put this out here and then we'll, and then we'll end uh, quickly because I'm already going longer than I thought I would. Num- the, the first thing that I, ought, I think you ought to do in your life in general is, is make it a point to know Christ, what He is like, know the Lord, and know God's sovereign will in general where the Scripture reveals it. What's God trying to do? Um, and this will be sort of a horizon. What, what's God trying to do in general? Did I let the pen dry out? If you got another one, that'll help. What's God trying to do in general? And make sure that my life is aiming in the same direction that, that, that God is going and that God is working towards. The second thing, I'm going to. Question that we, we should be writing down. I mean, I, I would do that. You could kind of put it as a horizon. This is kind of what God is doing in general. Is my life aiming in the direction that God seems to be aiming in? We talked about go you into all, all the world and preach the gospel. This is the will of God, your sanctification. I think the pink one will work here. If, if, if the purple one, if this works, if this doesn't work, then I'll, I'll borrow yours. But that leaves a lot of options open. Let me give you some things that you can think about when you're making some larger, long-range decisions. Number one, does the Word of God communicate something about it? What I'm going to do here is draw a bunch of dots on a piece of paper. These dots represent and can represent options in life. You pick the topic. Who should I marry? What job should I take? Where should I live? Those types of things. Um... One question we can ask ourselves is, does the Word of God communicate something already? You know, we've already, brothers mentioned surrendering to the will of God. If the Word of God, the Word of God communicates so many things and might clearly cut off certain options. You could write down um, Romans uh, 15 verse 4 or 1 Corinthians 10 11. I mean, we've, we've listed lots of things that the Word of God communicates on a situation that would rule out certain long-range options in your life. Does that make sense? So I've drawn a line here, and this line uh, is, represents the things that God's Word has communicated, and it has ruled out certain options. You see that? Okay. Number two, has God given me certain convictions about something? Okay? Has God given me certain convictions? Uh, you, could, you could look at John 14.26... Um, John 16, 13, 1 John 2, the 27. When I was in college, the big question in my life was, do I teach school or do I fly for the Air Force? Do I teach or fly? Teach or fly? That's the way it went over and over in my mind. And I came to the very day where I took an oath of office for the United States of America and I had no peace about it. I, something was wrong. And it just didn't seem right. And it won't, in my heart, I was concerned that I, if I was around flying, I wouldn't be available to serve local churches the way that I wanted. I had a conviction about it. And so I went to my professor of aerospace studies, and I said, Colonel Kenner, I don't think this is for me. And he said, you're going to be a pastor, aren't you? And I said, well, something like that. And I don't want to get into like, you know, New Testament principles with the colonel. But they knew what I was about. They knew where I was going. And they were glad that I had made it clear. But I, didn't, I had a conviction that I ought to be doing things with my life and when it came down to making the decision, one of the decisions really didn't line up. Uh, thirdly, um, I think we can use common sense in some situations. Okay, 
we can use common sense. And Proverbs is full of verses about using wisdom and using common sense in life and not doing foolish things. Now, if the Lord has clearly led you to risk your life to preach the gospel to somebody in communist China, that's not what we're talking about. But there are things that people do that don't make any sense. And it's hard to say, the Lord is leading you to do that? Um, God, I don't think, is leading you to buy a lotto ticket and hope that you win money so that you can build an orphanage. I don't know that, that you know, that's what the Lord wants you to do. That doesn't, that doesn't seem to, you know, do you get my point? Fourthly, um, I think you can look at your composition. The way God has gifted you, we were talking about spiritual gifts, or the way God has given you certain abilities and talents that might help you make certain decisions in life. Uh, we can talk about marrying somebody. It's clear that some people do not work together and do not fit together. They are not equally yoked. Amos 3.3, the two cannot walk together because they are not agreed. They're both believers, but you know that our composition, you could write down um, 1 Peter 4.10 there. Uh, fifthly, counsel. You can seek counsel from wise believers. They're like, I've been here before. Um, you know, I remember asking, you know, Dad, is it okay to marry a person that you're not attracted to? That sort of seemed like a spiritual thing to do when I was 18 or 19. You know, Lord, is it wrong to be attracted? He said, no, son, you need to be attracted to this person. Is you know, general counsel. People ask, the young people ask that question. Uh, we could talk about why that is, but... Um, sixthly, circumstances. Things will happen in your life. Doors will open. Doors will close. That will that will cut off certain options. Uh, Did you say circumstances? Circumstances. We read that um, in Acts chapter 16, Paul tried to go into North Turkey twice, and what? The door was closed. Circumstances prevented it. God prevented them. And it was at that time that then they began to sense that they ought to look to God for an answer. And they, they, they did that and the Lord revealed to them, go over to Macedonia. Um, our assembly recently commended us to the Lord in, 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 in His work. This last year, I, I applied for several different jobs that I was completely qualified for. And just nothing. Nothing happened. Nothing was open. Um, these are examples of circumstances. When, when, when Ella went to school at Florida State, uh, I tried to get into the, 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 the religious studies master's program at Florida State. I already had a master's degree in biblical studies. So, you know, I sort of am kind of been there, done that. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't pay me the time of day. I was completely qualified for that program. They wouldn't pay me the time of day. Circumstances rule things out. It was a closed door. Uh, but then we were eating at Krispy Kreme at midnight. And I met these, these two students from a, a, an instructional technology program. I'd been looking at online, and the girl turns out to be the president of the student association. She says, oh yeah, you totally ought to apply. This is one of the top five schools in the nation. You're at a donut shop at midnight. This is when you have no kids. You go to a donut shop at midnight and do homework. And she's like, oh, you totally should apply. Put in my application, got accepted. They were, they were way nicer than the people in the studies department. Went right through the program, was given a TA position, was given a graduate assistantship, classes went through, and it was just completely opposite. Circumstances can cut off some of our options. Um, and then finally, God Himself may intervene and take control and cut off certain options for you. You could put down Acts 16, 6-10 as another way to look at that passage. What's the point? The point is, is that what you're left with 
will be a much more focused, I think, set of options for what you ought to be able to do. And my personal thought is that God gives us free will and wants us to, to know Him as children and please our Father. You're, what's your oldest... What's, what's the age of your oldest child? 30. 30. Do you want your child to call you on the phone every afternoon and ask you what to do? <laughs> but you have certain opinions about what your child should do with their life, right? <laughs> and the, the, po- <laughs> the, the point is, is that you, you've spent 30 years training your child. And if your child knows your heart and your life, they will they will do things that please you as a parent to some extent or make wise decisions. I think the Lord wants us to know Him and please Him with the choices He does give us. I, I would stray away from determinism in that sense. That doesn't it give God glory when you choose things with His glory and His honor in mind. And so you have a, 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 a I think in this situation, you make a decision, you have a clear conscience before the Lord, you say, Lord, may God get the glory in this, and go forward knowing that God is working in history and all things will work according to His will. And God may give you options. Um, so we talked about, and you might have a verse to share, Dave, but we talked about some, some things you could think about to make decisions quickly. But you can also, in, in larger decisions, rule out a lot of things by using some wisdom and using the Word of God and, and move forward. Um, I'm way over time. Looking like looking like that, but um, you got you got your Bible open there. Yeah, you know, um, to go along with some of those decisions about um, uh, what do you say, common sense. Mm-hmm. That's a very that's a very vague term, but you know, there, there's a, a scripture in the Bible uh, in Hebrews 12 which talks about running the race that the Lord has set before each of us individually, and. <laughs> Thank you. I'm told to stand a little bit closer to the mic. Okay. But in, in Hebrews 12, uh, after after the writer goes to this whole chapter of, of talking about these these believers the, uh, who were good examples of living lives of faith and service to the Lord, it, he says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, speaking of those people, let us now lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He also, being the ultimate example here, right, of one who walked in perfect harmony with the Father's will, even working out those issues along the way, right? We've already talked about that example, but notice what he says to us then. If we're going to live that way, he says to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So some of the things that he wants us to lay off to run that race are sinful, but not all of them are. Each of us have certain things, whereas we say, you know, I believe the Lord is calling me, like Paul said, to conclude that this is the specific direction he has for me, Therefore, in order to do that to the best of my ability to, to bring the proper honor and glory and most honor and glory to the Lord, there are some things that will be like weights that will hinder me from being able to run that race well. If I was running a marathon, I wouldn't want my combat boots, my Levi's jeans, and you know my school backpack strapped to my back. 
Right? No, there's nothing wrong with entering the race with those on, but it's going to be a hindrance and a weight that is going to make it difficult for me. And, and so there are times where we will want to lay aside those things for the Lord's sake, even though the Scripture doesn't tell us we have to. And that's going to be different for all of us, right? Um, we can get into personal examples another time. But, you know, there, there's a Scripture where the Lord Jesus seems to indicate that as well in Matthew 19 regarding marriage, right? He, he, he said that marriage was meant to be the man and the wife being joined together as one flesh and let not man separate what the Lord is joined together and uh, when they questioned him about divorce and he answered his disciples some of them said wow it's better in this case that a man not marry and here's the Lord's response he says well all cannot accept this saying but only to those to whom it has been given for there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake he who is able to accept it let him accept it and so he's not saying it's required of those who serve the Lord to be celibate. Although Paul said, look, it's been a great thing for me to accomplish what God's will is for my life, and I wish all men could be as myself. But it's not for all men to be able to accept that. And so as we look into ourselves, sometimes we may deny ourselves for the sake of laying aside the weights to be able to run the race with endurance that God has called each of us individually to. And I can't dictate that for you, and you can't dictate that for me, but as we walk in the will of the Lord and we're, and we're, we're looking for these subjective lines to narrow and focus our decisions for the Lord, this is something that can, can help us to be able to do that. Amen, amen. Um, if anybody has a, a question or a comment, I've gone through quickly, you know, stumbled through some, some stuff that I can give you that's a lot longer here, um, about eight pages of, of, of an outline. Um, but I think I kind of shared a, a basic point. A, knowing God is the, the, the essence of eternal life. John 17, this is eternal life. You want to know what the meaning of human life is? It's to know God. In eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. It's not just to live forever in isolation. It's to know God. Knowing God, we become like Him. You see, when we look at Him, we learn about Him. When we learn about Him, we love Him. When we love Him, we obey Him. When we obey Him, we bear fruit. We bear fruit, God gets glory. That's a chain you see in, 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 in John 15, 14 15. We're doing that. Second, we, we use some decisions and some, some, some of God's leading to make certain decisions. We leave the results with God. We surrender to what God wants us to do. And um, I think that will be a big help to some individuals, okay? Um, there's, there's so much more that can be said on this. Anybody really, really dying to, to make a point? Or? No? Alright. Well, thanks for letting me share that. And, um, Thank you, thanks. Let's go ahead and just close and... Should I pray for food? Or? Okay, we'll give thanks for the food. Our Father in Heaven, we close out this time of, of discussion and, and, and brief study, Lord, and ask that you would um, help us to be humble. Lord, it's easy to talk about things. It's another thing to be in the, the, the crucible and to have to make a decision, Lord. Um, we ask that you would give us an overwhelming desire to glorify thee uh, and thy son and, 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 and obey thee in all that we do. Um, uh, we ask you would help us to remember these things, uh, to, to dig into thy word. There's so much you've already revealed to us. Um, Lord, thank you that we have food to eat today. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are hungry today and ask that you would provide for their needs. Uh, we ask that you would bless it and that the energy that we get from it, Lord, we would use to glorify your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.